Restaurant Unstoppable episode 410. Uh, I'd say one, make sure you work with a knowledgeable restaurant real estate advisor and um, commercial real estate attorney. Um, Do your best to limit your personal liability and also make sure that you have uh, good language regarding your rights to assign your lease. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable, and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. Who loves doing paperwork? No one. Sorcery is an efficient online AP automated solution for the food service industry and restaurants, large and small, are using Sorcery to provide a scalable solution to help them create efficiencies and ultimately grow their business while impacting their bottom line. To learn more, head to GetSorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com. And be sure to mention Restaurant Unstoppable to get your first month free. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Mark Chase. Mark, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling 100% unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, so this is Mark's second time back on the show and Mark is uh the Mark Chase is the president of real estate uh sorry, restaurant real estate advisors. He specializes in providing site selection and real estate advice to restaurateurs. He works directly with growing brands, provides coaching, consulting and training to first-time restaurateurs. Mark also is the author of How to Open a Restaurant at Great at a Great Location at a Great Price. And today we're here to discuss the ins and outs of leasing versus buying a space for your restaurant uh, and I'm, I invited Mark back because somebody wrote me asking me to discuss this topic. I don't know what I did with that email. So if you're listening to this and you wrote me an email asking me to cover this topic, this this email, or this this episode for you, uh, I'm sorry I didn't give you a heads up or anything. I lost the email, but uh, feel free to email me after this episode if you're listening. And uh, I want to know who this was because now it's just bothering me. But anyway, Mark was on the show. This was episode uh, 73 the first time he was on the show. It was over three and a half years ago, almost three and a half years ago, Mark. It's crazy. That is crazy. Time is going by so fast. So uh, the first time Mark was on the show was episode 73, and he discussed the four common mistakes when selecting a restaurant location. So I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, man, it was episode 73. So don't, don't judge me too bad. I've come a long way since, since episode 73. Uh, but today we're here just to kind of go over the pros and cons of leasing versus buying. And um, Mark, before we dive into that, let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for us? Uh, try not to become a man of success, rather become a man of value from Albert Einstein. Yes. I love that quote. Why does that resonate with you? 
I just think if you want to be successful, uh, you have to add value. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, and okay, I guess where to start. So, uh, what are the things we need to consider when deciding we need we want if we want to buy or uh, lease a location? Where's the first place to start? You know, I think the first place is can you actually qualify for a loan, and do you have the funds needed to purchase the property, build out the space, and actually operate the restaurant? Um, in my experience, many operators that actually own their building now started out leasing, and at some point they had an opportunity to buy the property. I think the other thing to consider is um, what are your long-term goals? Do you want to be a landlord in the future? If you don't want to be a landlord, then owning a property may not be a good idea. Yeah, that's a great uh, point you brought up. And if you didn't bring it up, I was planning on bringing it up. Recently, I had some folks on the show, and that was uh, one of the big reasons why they decided to lease. Because a lot of people say, you know, we're in the industry of real estate. That's really what we're doing is we're we're buying real estate and we're putting restaurants into it. But when you're just getting started and your focus is the restaurant, there's so many additional responsibilities that come on your shoulders when you own that that space. Do you want to dive a little bit deeper into that? Some of the things that you have to, to concern yourself with? Well, I think uh, one is the, the commitment to buy a property. You're typically committing to a loan that's 20 to 25 years. Um, you know, if you buy in the wrong area or let's say your restaurant doesn't make it, you need to lease out the space. You know, it, it can take, you know, easily six months depending on the area to find a new tenant. Um, Often the new tenant wants to do work. They're going to ask you for free rent to get their, their space remodeled. So you could be looking at, uh, you know, carrying that property easily for, for 12 months with no income. Wow. Uh, yeah, definitely something worth considering. So let's dive into some of the more, more of the, I guess, let's look at buying first, right? Um, we kind of mentioned some of the cons of buying. Do you want to, are there any more cons of to buying that come to mind before we moved on to some of the pros of buying? You know, I think we covered the, the major cons. Um, you know, as far as the pros of buying, you know, if you buy the property, you control the property. You don't need to worry about uh, rent increases every year. Uh, you don't have to worry about dealing with a bad landlord. Um, often, if you lease a property and that property sells, the property taxes can increase pretty dramatically. And that gets passed on to, to the restaurant operator typically. Um, the other pro, I guess, about buying would be in the future, you can sell the business and you can continue to collect rent from that buyer uh, and, and operate it as a landlord. Let's say that's probably the major pro of buying. Okay. So let me ask you this. When do we know we're in the position to buy? Is it strictly just a, a what capital you have and you're behind you? Like what, what do we need to consider when we're, if we are in the position, like when do we know we're in the right position? You know, I think if you have a, a profitable restaurant that you've been running for a number of years and you have the capital and you can actually find uh, a property that's going to perform as well as, as what you may be leasing currently, I think at that point uh, you're, you're in the position to buy or maybe it's a second location um, that, you, that you have the, the capital to cover and maybe, maybe you're covering that uh, initially from your first location. I would suggest not buying until you've got uh, a number of years of operational experience you're profitable, you know your business inside and out. And at that point, let's say you've got uh, you know one or two restaurants that are profitable, maybe you're leasing both of those locations. If you can find a good location and buy that property at a where your mortgage would be comparable to leasing um, and you've got the funds to purchase, at that point, you know I think it's something to consider. 
Okay. Over the, over the long term, I think you're going to keep your operating expenses down because your mortgage is typically going to stay, depending on what type of loan you have, should stay fixed at least for a number of years. Whereas if you lease a property, depending on the lease you negotiate, you may have annual increases that will start to add up over time. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, but what, I, what I'm gathering is maybe it makes sense to start leasing uh, because when you're leasing, um, at least you, you have like a fixed cost, right? Um, it might increase over time, but you just can focus on running the business. And if you start developing assets for yourself and those assets equal what it would be to make a lateral move to maybe purchasing your own space. Like, so I guess get the assets behind you, uh, get maybe your systems, processes, procedures, your, your, your business under control and then make a lateral move. Once you have that steady income behind you to support the, the, uh, the mortgage, not mortgage, but um, the, the loan to own the business. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think one of the pros of leasing is, I mean, initially you're laying out a lot less capital and it's also a shorter term commitment. Um, you know, typically you're going to sign a five to 10 year lease, but with that being said, you may sign a five year lease with three, five year options to extend. So if things don't go your way, um, I mean, you're really only committed to five years as opposed to, you know, potentially buying a property that you can't unload and, and you know, you've got a 20 to 25 year loan on that. Okay. So I think uh, as far as leasing, you've got less financial risk up front, um, especially if you can avoid signing a personal guarantee. Okay. You also mentioned earlier, um, bear with me. I'm trying to listen. The lingo here isn't my first language. So I'm trying to think of the right words. You said earlier, uh, it makes sense to, well, I guess lease and then lease to, to own. How do you set yourself up for a situation like that? Well, depending on the property, um, let's say you, you found a freestanding building that's an existing restaurant, you could negotiate with the owner up front that you're going to sign a lease with either an option to buy in the future. And typically what you would do is try to negotiate. A, the landlord would probably want to negotiate a price in advance. Um, the other way to structure that is first right of refusal, which means that you have, let's say you're in a lease, you're in your third year and the landlord decides to sell, sell the building you would have the first right to buy, buy the property. So he'll list it. Let's say he puts it out at a million bucks. He'll come to you and he'll give you a certain time frame to either buy the property uh, or you can sell it to someone else. So that's one way to, you know, at least protect yourself if you do want to buy the property down the road. So um, two things I wanted to draw from that. First, you said uh, establish if you, the the value upfront of, of that business or of that property. So if you're, if you're getting into, uh, if you're working out the the uh, I guess the plans to lease to eventually own or rent to own, um, you want to establish the the value of that space upfront. That's very important. Is that what I heard? Yeah, if possible. I mean, it's not always possible. The landlord's always going to want to value it higher than uh, than you're going to value it. Um, you know, there's a there's a million different ways to negotiate that. But uh, you know, if possible, it's nice to know if you can if you have a feeling of what the property's going to be worth in five years and you're comfortable with that price, if you can nail that down, at least you, you know what the purchase price will be. Okay. So uh, if, if the risk, the risk of the landlord at that point is, you know, if the market skyrockets and he locks in a low price, he's not going to want to sell it. Uh, and at that point he's going to lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if, if we want to do this approach to rent to buy, or is it lease to buy? What'd you say earlier? Uh, lease with an option to buy lease with an option to buy. Okay. If, if we want to take that approach and we, we want to protect ourselves what things, where do we get this in writing? How do we work that in someplace into paperwork? 
you would negotiate that into the actual lease agreement typically. Okay, cool. And um, you said the other thing that we need to be considering is being the first option. What was that terminology again? The right of first refusal. Right of first it, refusal. It basically gives you the option if the, the landlord's not giving you an actual commitment or option to buy, but what the landlord is doing is if he does decide to sell down the road, you have the right to basically come in and, and match whatever price he can obtain on the open market. And he'll give you a certain number of days to actually move forward and buy it at whatever price he's agreed to with another buyer. So if we're going ahead and we're doing this uh, first or right to first refusal, um, what can we do to make sure we work that into the contract or the purchasing contract? Uh, and what if the, what if the, uh, owner the, or the, the, the owner of this, this, this business, this land, this, uh, building, uh, wants to like jack up the price to like a really unreasonable, can they do that? Like, or does it have to be market value? No, I mean, they can ask whatever they want. Um, but before, before you actually try to exercise your right of first refusal, they need to have a valid offer from someone else. So, um, you know, if you think the price is too high, you're not going to buy it. But if you think the price is reasonable and somebody else is willing to pay that price, you have the opportunity to step in and buy it. So can they get somebody like a friend of theirs to like on paper offer them like an outrageous amount to like circumnavigate this, this deal? Say if they want to break the lease from you or they don't want you to have the property. You know, it, it's certainly possible to try that, but keep in mind too, that the, the property needs to appraise. So, you know, if, unless they have a, a straw man buyer, you know, that come in and, and pay cash for a couple of million dollars more than it's worth most likely that's not going to happen. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So have we covered any of the, the cons of leasing? We covered a lot of the pros of leasing a uh, little, you know, initial capital, a little commitment, uh, easy out. Uh, what, what are some of the things we need to consider as far as the, the negative sides of leasing? I think the negatives, mostly you, you've got less control over the property. Um, you have the possibility of dealing with a bad landlord. That's difficult. Um, you know, typically your rent is going to increase more over time compared to a mortgage. I'd say those are the, the probably the three main cons. Hit those one more time. Uh, less control over the property. The landlord, for the most part, is going to have a little bit more control. Let's say you're in a, in a shopping center. The landlord is going to have more control over what happens with the overall shopping center. Um, you know, for example, depending on how the lease is structured, let's say that you were in a, a fairly large shopping center that had a, a, some excess land in front. There's a possibility that down the road, the landlord could build a, another building out in front that would block your visibility. So if that's not negotiated up front where they don't have the right to do that, you run the risk that, you know, changes that they make down the road could impact you. Okay. Um, one, one example. And then, you know, there's just, and there's also just difficult landlords out there that are unreasonable so if you're in the situation, um, let's say you want to sell the business and assign your lease, you could deal with a very difficult landlord that just makes that process uh, harder, possibly even impossible. Okay. So uh, basically, if you want to sell your business, you might not be able to sell the business in that location. Correct. Depending on how well you negotiated your lease. But um, even if you negotiated your lease well and you just have a difficult landlord that... Uh, you know, wants to bully you, depending on who has deeper pockets, you could be in a position where you're just uh, litigating or just having a difficult time trying to get the landlord to agree. Okay. 
So, I mean, I, I think the, the biggest con is in the event that you do have a, a bad landlord. So, yeah, you can't control who, who you're going to be paying rent to every, every month. Correct. And, and, you know, you may start off with a good landlord, and if they sell the building, you may inherit a, uh, a bad landlord down the road. So that's, I'd say that's the biggest risk when it comes to leasing. So let's dive into some of these, these, uh, the three bullets you gave us. The less control, you may not be able to, to sell the business, and you might have a bad landlord. The less control, what can we do, um, proact- what can we do to be proactive to give ourselves more control in this process? Well, you know, typically you're going to have the most control over a freestanding building. Um, you know, if you go into a shopping center, you're going to have other restaurant tenants most likely. So, you know, for example, um, you have to deal with exclusive use clauses. So let's say you're a, a Mexican restaurant and you've got a pizza restaurant, a Chinese restaurant. If you want to sell your restaurant down the road and you don't care, you know, that it, uh, it stays a, what do we start off with a Mexican restaurant? Yeah. You know, you don't care if the buyer runs it as a Mexican restaurant or changes it to something else. You will have some restrictions. Uh, for example, you won't be able to sell it to somebody that wants to operate a pizza restaurant or a Chinese restaurant. So you're going to have a little bit more restrictions, you know, the larger the shopping center and the more sophisticated the landlord. Okay. Uh, what else can we do to give ourselves more control? Uh, I'd say one, make sure you work with a knowledgeable restaurant real estate advisor and um, commercial real estate attorney. Um, Do your best to limit your personal liability and also make sure that you have uh, good language regarding your rights to assign your lease. How do we, how do we limit our personal liability? Give me some examples. What do you you mean by that? No, it's, it's just a matter of, how flexible the landlord is and how good your attorney may be. But typically when you sign a personal guarantee, let's say you, let's say you have an LLC for the restaurant and you sign the lease under the LLC's name. Uh, since you probably don't have any real assets in that LLC, unless you're, you know, a Starbucks or somebody that's been around for a while, the landlord is going to require a personal guarantee, which means that if things go bad, they're going to come after you personally um, a few ways to limit that would be to put a cap on the dollar amount. So, for example, if you default, um, you know, they're limited to say, you know, go after you for $100,000 rather than whatever the total liability could be. Let's say they had a, a let's say you were in a lease, you owed 500000 over the next five years, and, and they were not able to lease it out to somebody else. They could technically come after you for that amount. So one way is to limit the total dollar amount that you're liable for. Um, another way would be to limit um, the number of years on the personal guarantee. So, for example, you sign a five or 10-year lease, the personal guarantee would be good for the first 24 months, and then it would expire. Um, so that would relieve your personal liability after you know two years. Um, probably the third way to get around a personal guarantee overall is just to come up with a large security deposit or combination of prepaid rent and a larger security deposit. I've had a few clients that just absolutely refuse to sign a personal guarantee and they've, you know, put up a security deposit equal to 12 months rent. Oh, wow. To avoid that. So, I mean, it sounds like the big lesson in that is like just, you can never have enough operating capital behind you to get started uh, to have more just, I guess, negotiating power. Yeah. And the other thing with personal guarantees to consider as well is if you do sell the business and assign the lease, 
Um, often the landlord will, will keep you on the hook as well. So if that future buyer defaults, say three years from now, at that point, they can come after you as well. So if you still have a personal guarantee, and, I, and I've seen this happen before, where you know three, four years later, the landlord comes knocking on the door to say, hey, the, the person you sold the business to defaulted, uh, you need to start paying rent. So that's that can happen. And that's why, especially when you sell the business and assign the lease, um, it, it's important to try to get out of that guarantee if, if you have one. Okay, cool. And um, let's talk a little bit about uh, relationships. Uh, the the landlord uh, lease, or what's the right ter- terminology for the person who's leasing? This goes to show um, what I know about this stuff. Yeah, lesser. The tenant, the lesser. Or the tenant, lesser. So what what things should we be considering when we're approaching uh, these landlords uh, as far as character and who they are, their values? I mean, and it, it seems a little mushy-gushy, but uh, what should we be asking ourselves when we're, when we are approaching a business relationship, uh, to protect ourselves, I guess, just in that world of relationships. I mean, I, I get that there's not too many technical terms out there for this conversation, but, uh, how do we protect ourselves with those relationships? You know, I think if you're dealing with a, a large landlord with, with a lot of properties, you, you probably can get a feel for the reputation, uh, just by speaking to other tenants and, um, you know, most of the larger landlords will have a certain reputation in the market. When you're dealing with, um, say, a mom and pop landlord that has a, a small building, um, you know, probably, you know, one, just determine how the discussions go, how they react. And then also um, when you meet with them in person, you know, if you just feel like they're kind of shady um, or you get an uncomfortable feeling with them, it might be might be best to pass. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, they get so blinded uh, by the opportunity, by the dream that they, they just want to sign where the, the dotted line is and get the ball rolling. Uh, and they, they get into these business relationships with just really shady, miserable people. Uh, protect yourself. Don't, I mean, don't go into business with anybody really get to know these people before you, you, you know, are tied to them and your business is tied to them. And, and if you are going to get into business with them, you know, the, the better of a job that you do negotiating the lease, the more protection you'll have down the road if they, you know, if they are a terrible person. Mm-hmm. So up to this point, we've covered kind of uh, the pros of buying, the cons of buying, the pros of leasing, the, the cons of leasing. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the ebook that you have out there. The title of that ebook is how to open a restaurant at a great location at a great price. Uh, but before we touch on some of those topics in that book. Uh, Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Nobody likes doing paperwork. If you have a growing group of restaurants and find yourself wishing you could snap your fingers and have all of your invoices and AP instantly disappear from your plate, then you need to call Sorcery. Sorcery is used to make owning and operating a restaurant a breeze. Instead of dreading invoices, you'll be delighted to be synced with every vendor. With your new relationships, you can work on negotiating the best price to improve your margins and Sorcery's biggest superpower is that they watch the prices you pay across the kitchen from dry goods to proteins to produce. And when citrus skyrockets, you'll know to update your recipes before you end up kicking yourself at the end of the quarter. To learn more, head over to www.getsorcery.com or find the banner in the show notes. If you mention Restaurant Unstoppable at checkout, you'll get your first month 
free. Yep. To be unstoppable, most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment, or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company twice in a row. Check out Cabbage with a K dot com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All right, we're back. And again, how to gr- open a great restaurant, how to open a, a restaurant, in a great location at a great price. Uh, you think that it would be a pretty straightforward, like 20 page ebook. This sucker is 164 pages long, and there's so much covered in this book from uh, business entities to business planning to financial analysis to, I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, There's so many things you wouldn't consider. Uh, It should be titled Everything You Need need to Know A Through Z About Finding a Location. Like It's so in-depth. So where does it all start? Let me ask you that. Where do we start? Uh, Where's the starting point? when looking for a new location, whether you're buying or leasing? I think the starting point is probably to understand your, your concept and who your customer is. Um, and, and based on that, then you go out and try to find an area that, that meets those two criteria. So you want to, you want to find an area that has your customers, um, you know, whether it's price point or, you know, I don't know, maybe, you're a vegan restaurant as opposed to a, a barbecue place, you're going to have a different customer base. So you want to go out and, f- and find a location that's nearby uh, to that type of, that type of customer. I think that's probably the starting point. Okay. And then also, you know, on a financial basis, you need to do your projections based on, you know, if you have a, a higher um, price point, you might be able to afford a little bit higher rent in a more expensive area compared to a lower price point, depending on the volume you're going to do. So, um, you know, I think the best advice as far as starting is, uh, you know, go survey your competitors, find out what kind of sales they're doing, sit out in front of their restaurant and count customers, take their average check price and, um, you know, figure out really what kind of sales volume they're doing and, you know, assume you're going to do similar or maybe a little bit less and kind of start there as far as, um, you know, how much rent you can actually afford based on your projected sales. Okay. And in that ebook too, you, you kind of dive into, uh, should we hire a consultant? Right. Uh, and, uh, real estate broker. So speak kind of to that real quick. Uh, if we, I mean, I personally think that you should hire consultants whenever you can't afford them because the money you're going to pay up front, uh, to get that consultant behind you, you'll, you'll end up spending it someplace else, uh, that you just didn't project. You didn't foresee. So what, what should we know when going to a consultant? Uh, should we, you know, what's a realistic rate? Should we pay hourly? Should we play a, a flat rate? What, what advice do you have for us there? You no, know, it, it, it depends on what type of consultant. As far as finding a space for lease, 
typically a commercial real estate broker that represents a tenant. Um, they're typically going to get paid at the end of the day by the landlord. So there's usually no cost or at least no upfront cost uh, to the restaurant operator at that point. So they can help you actually find the location and negotiate the lease. Um, so basically what I'm hearing there is make sure you're taking advantage of that, that person because they're there to serve you and it's at no extra cost to you. Yeah. And depending on what your requirement is, um, you know, look, if you're, if you're a startup and your budget is, you know, I, I don't know, just say 20,000 a year in rent and you want to sign a one year lease cause you're scared that you're going to fail. Um, the commission's not going to make enough sense to find a broker to actually help you, but you could find somebody that's knowledgeable and say, look, I need help. I know there's not enough money in the commission to cover your time, but I'll pay X amount, you know, flat fee for your help or hourly for your help. What's a realistic number? So we, we're not getting burnt. Uh, what should we come at a person to, who specializes you know, I in think, this area? I think it really depends where you are in the country and what, um, you know, what the person's time is worth. I personally, for hourly consulting, usually charge two fifty an hour. Um, depending on what the work is, if it's something I think I can, you know, if somebody just calls me and asks me to negotiate a letter of intent and I think it's going to take just a couple rounds of back and forth, I'll usually negotiate some sort of flat fee and it's usually pretty reasonable. Okay, cool. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, which is also in the book is, uh, you have some resources, uh, for, uh, like, uh, like websites for finding properties and leases. Can you share any of those resources to kind of help our, our listeners get out there and get started finding the right place? You know what? That's actually changing a lot right now. Uh, the, the largest website that most people probably are familiar with to find sites is loopnet.com. Um, unfortunately, they've recently changed their format. So they're, they're pulling off listings of restaurant asset sales. So if you're looking strictly for a restaurant for lease where there's no key money, um, those should still show up there. But a lot of the restaurant space that's available, um, it's actually an asset sale where somebody is looking for some sort of uh, key money to, to take over the lease and all the equipment. So those are no longer on LoopNet, or at least they're, they're trying to weed them out. Um, I'm actually in the process of launching a site called restaurantforsaleorrent.com. We're not really live right now. We're still populating it, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a hybrid between a, a loop net where you can search sites. And also we give you a, um, expert advisor on the back end that will actually do the research for you. We also, um, publish every existing restaurant that's not on the market in the database. So you may find a site that you really like and we'll reach out to either the restaurant operator to see if they want to sell or to the landlord to find out if the space may become available in the future. Interesting. So if we want to stay tuned or if we want to know when that site's live, can we, is there an email list that we can get on or a, a way to stay updated on that? I haven't published the sign up list yet, but um, if anyone wants to email me at, uh, at the restaurant real estate advisor site, I can, I can keep them in the loop and let them know when it's live. Yeah, and I'll have your contact information in the show notes. We'll we'll get to that before we say goodbye. Um, anything we haven't discussed up to this point uh, that you think is worth mentioning before we say goodbye? Yeah, I think just some of the issues to consider whether you're leasing or buying. Um, you know, one confirm that up front that the zoning allows your use, and also that you have enough parking for the use. Um, often people will start their search and they'll drive around and they'll see, let's say a a little strip center and there's a vacancy and they think that'd be a perfect spot for the restaurant. They may start negotiating um, 
a lease with the landlord and then they'll go to the city after the lease is signed and find out that there's not enough parking for restaurant use. Most, most cities will have a, a parking code that requires a certain number of parking spaces uh, based on the use. So for example, in Los Angeles to, to open a restaurant in most locations, you need 10 parking spaces per thousand square feet. For a retail use, you would only need uh, four parking spaces for a thousand square feet. So people will get pretty far down the road and find out that the you know property won't allow a restaurant use. I think the other thing is if you're planning on getting a liquor license, you know you need to make sure that one the zoning allows it, and two, if if they don't allow it outright, if you have to go through a conditional use process, you know find out how feasible that is. That can often take you know six to nine months and, and be quite expensive. Um, with no guarantee that you're going to get that approved. So if, if a liquor license is uh, a requirement for your business, I would, you know, research that thoroughly. And then the other, most of the other topics I think we somewhat covered, um, you know, one, try to limit your personal guarantee. Um, you know, as I mentioned, most landlords will try to keep you on the hook if you assign the lease. And then um, another thing to be uh, concerned about, especially with new development, is be very specific when you're drafting language about the infrastructure that the landlord is going to provide. Um, often with new construction, the landlord, for example, may only provide power to, to a main power panel. And then it's the tenant's responsibility to run the wiring from that panel to a sub panel inside the space. So if you're, if you're vague and don't have a clear understanding of what the landlord's giving you, I mean, you can run into a, a lot of expenses that you weren't expecting. And, the next thing I would consider too is um, consider the time it's going to take to permit and construct your, your build out and do your best to negotiate that free rent period from the time you receive your permits. Because often what landlords want to do is they'll, they'll give you say four, four months of free rent from the time you sign a lease. And it may take you four months or more to actually get your permit from the city to start construction. And then you're paying rent during, let's say your construction takes you know, three to six months, you'll be paying rent during that period. And that can, you know, that can sink your budget pretty quick. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy. I had you on the show, Mark. Uh, I'll be honest. This is clearly just from talking to you today. This is not my area of expertise and there's a lot I need to learn about this. And the whole purpose of this podcast is to surround myself with people like you who can teach us how to do this, not just me, but everyone who's listening. So man, I mean, we, we need to, we need to be closer, dude. You need to come back on the show more often. If you ever want to, uh, go deeper on one of these topics, you just, you just laid on us, man. My platform is your platform. Uh, cause I would love to learn more from you. And, uh, it's, that'd, be, that'd be great. I look forward to coming back soon. Yeah, man, it would, it would be great. And, uh, we typically wrap up every episode by calling somebody out and I'm just realizing I never gave you a heads up on that. Uh, but do you have somebody on top of mind, somebody in the industry that you just know who's doing it right, uh, that you respect and admire? I think the last time you were on, you call out Slapfish. Um, I'll stick with Slapfish then. I don't know if they, I don't think I ever got them on the show. So let's, let's, let's just bring that top of mind. And, um, all right, man, let's say goodbye. Uh, how, what's the best way to connect with you if we want to get more advice from you or just check out your website? What's the best way to connect? Uh, probably through the website, restaurantrealestateadvisors.com. Uh, you can go to the blog. There's uh, a lot of articles there you can read. 
There is a, a paid ebook I have. Uh, I am going to be replacing that with a free ebook, so you may want to hold off buying that, and uh, you'll have access to it down the road for free. And uh, depending on what article you click on, uh, there is a link to download the ebook that Eric described, and um, we will be setting up uh, a, a page to download that soon. All right, cool. Um, and this is episode 410. If you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 410, I'll link to how to connect with Mark and his websites all over there. And uh, Mark, thank you so much for coming back. I can't believe it's been three and a half years. We need to make the next uh, gap between talking much shorter. That's for sure. Uh, there is There is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. I appreciate it, Eric, and look forward to speaking with you soon. Awesome. Cheers. Boom. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Mark Chase, man, uh, so knowledgeable on this topic. Uh, and I think it was pretty clear that I have a lot to learn on this topic. And I don't pretend to be an expert. I, I really, you know, I started this podcast as a student of hospitality because somebody needed to be out there asking the questions, making this this information uh, easily accessible and not only accessible, but easily, I guess, digested the audio resources, such an easy way to chew through content and to learn. And nobody was out there asking the questions. So um, I'm going to get Mark back on the show more often. I feel like we, we didn't have enough time to really dive deep into some of these topics. And, you know, maybe Mark comes back and he teaches a couple of webinars. Maybe he and I create some courses that we can host at the website. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this content and you want us to go deeper into one topic, I encourage you to go get his book. Uh, it was, he was selling it. He's about to be changing that to uh, making it free. Uh, we will keep you posted on where you can find that book. If you head over to the show notes, restaurant slash four ten. his contact information is over there shoot him an email. I'm sure he'll send you a copy of the book. Um, and before long, we'll have a link in the show notes to get you right over to a landing page where you can download that PDF. Uh, but after you've read this book, let me know what you want us to dive deeper on or into. I'll get Mark back on the show. We'll dive deeper. Maybe we'll host a series of webinars on this topic, maybe a couple courses on this topic. I think we can really provide value in this area. And I really do believe in my heart of hearts that Mark's our guy because he he's so generous with his knowledge and he just it's so uh, his knowledge is so deep. So uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Um, I feel like this is an area I need to get stronger in. I think this it's an area most of us could probably improve in. It's so just foreign to so many people, uh, but we got to start, you know, we just, it's up to us and it's up to you guys letting me know what you want to know. And I'll, I'll go out there and I'll, I'll, I'll get somebody to discuss whatever topics you want discussed. So shoot me an, an email, Eric at restaurant Connect with me on Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable or on Instagram or Twitter, Eric catch Tori. Let me know what you want us to dive into. We'll go to work for you. And um, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. I do accept donations. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash support. If you want to leave a small donation, every little bit helps. But the best way to support the show, guys, is to share it with a friend. Who do you know in this industry who's aspiring to be great? Uh, Let them know about this podcast. Uh, Before we can do, we must be. And that's what we're here to do at Restaurant Unstoppable is to teach you how to be to give you the values, to give you the the knowledge, the things you need to know 
uh, the way you need to look at the world to be successful in this industry. Hopefully we're providing that for you through these interviews. And um, I think that's all for today, guys. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. And I could not do this without you. So thank you so much. And until next time, peace out.